Welcome to the Hellheim Podcast. I'm Joshua Skirtu, and today with me is Megan Pinson. She provides expert editing, engaging critique, and fearless consulting to authors of novels and nonfiction manuscripts through her agency, My Two Cents Editing. She specializes in story development and author education. Hi, Megan. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm good. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about editing and maybe a little outlining because we were talking about that a moment ago. Very exciting. Very exciting. And some of the books you're working on. Okay. Okay. So first, what what do you think about outlining? <laughs> so I was saying like I kind of just free ball it, you know, have a little bit of free form when it comes to like doing the podcast, but. And I started sweating. You started sweating. Like, Why is that? Where's your outline, Where's sir? my outline? <laughs> How are we going to do this? How could you do that? <laughs> I got very nervous. Yeah. Um, do you think outlining is important? I think outlining results in a better product. Do you? Very much so. I think chaos brings comedy. This is true, but it are does. they laughing at you or with you? If they're laughing, either way, I'm happy. No. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're laughing, so it worked. I am laughing, there but it's nervous laughter. It's nervous laughter. No, Sometimes I've, that's the best laughter. Yeah, I've been editing for 10 years. 10 years. And so I've seen a lot of manuscripts mm -hmm. in a lot of stages, and I've come to understand that if you have an outline, it is much easier to fix things. That's one major point, because yeah. a lot of what I do is come in and help people revise mm -hmm. and ask them questions mm -hmm. um, that maybe guide that process later and right. it looks different for every author and every manuscript but um the first step of going about serious revisions is to have a good workable outline mm -hmm. well you can write the outline after you've you can the book. Yeah. but then you have to learn how to outline mm -hmm. and you may find at that point that you don't know what the component parts mm -hmm. of your particular form or genre you know are mm -hmm. so with um nonfiction, you may have just sort of a big pile of information mm -hmm. and it's all woven in and it's kind of stream of consciousness and there's a lot of really good information in there but there's no structure right yeah um which is problematic mm -hmm. if you go about it from the other approach mm -hmm. with an outline or even just starting with a draft of a table of contents mm -hmm. um, you've got something to hang all of those pieces of information on with fiction you may find out after you've written 300 pages mm -hmm. over the last several years and all of your critique partners or say if you it's do a nano you did it in a month <laughs> yeah which yeah. is almost invariably a disaster uh-huh um, <laughs> all four of my novels started with nano Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that starting with it is really right. good. Yeah. But then it requires some serious revision. It does. And it they need to cook for a long time mm -hmm. before they have enough substance and depth mm -hmm. to be really, really engaging. Well, what I do is so I try to hit the 50K mm -hmm. in the first 30 days. Yeah. That's the goal. And then I take the next three months to kind of finish the first draft. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I think some people try to just do 50K and then they're done. They walk yeah. away. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of nano manuscripts mm -hmm. and they... And are there a lot of them pantsers where they're just... Yes. 
Yeah. All of them. They have no plot. They just start writing and go from there. They may have an idea of the plot, but they don't have an outline, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Um, And I guess NaNoWriMo is a different Mm -hmm. animal than what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm talking more fiction than nonfiction. Like taking pantsing and Mm -hmm. putting it on meth. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's well then you wouldn't have pants on because you're on meth right and your teeth are gonna fall out yeah yeah Yeah. now the good (laughs) i don't i don't know how far you can push that metaphor i think we should keep pushing it yeah uh then you get in trouble with the cops and all that you lose your family yeah this could all happen with fiction that's all nano yeah it could happen with memoir Mm -hmm. i mean yeah there are a number of circumstances so how detailed of an outline do you think you need so here's actually what i've started doing with mine is i kind of have a basic structure so like i take the the story circle you know the hero's journey kind of outline and i kind of set that i use scrivener Mm -hmm. so i kind of set that in scrivener and then i put like a couple major plot points along the way and then okay. I kind of start writing from there. Because I found when I like do a detailed outline, yeah. within 30 pages, I've decided I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided inspiration has taken me elsewhere. Yeah. It's more interesting. And that's kind of where my ideas come from. Yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, for me, I kind of have to go a little bit of pantsing and a little bit of outline. Okay, so you're not a diehard pantser. For my first with. two novels, I was... And How I'm, are they? I'm never going to publish those. Right. They were learning experiences. Exactly. But and when I wrote them, I thought they were masterpieces. Yes. How <laughs> did you come to find out that they weren't? What was that process like? That was 10 years uh-huh. of not seeing them and then picking them up and going, oh my God, I was a terrible writer back then. Yeah. I mean, I was a decent writer, but I'm a lot better now. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing about NaNoWriMo mm-hmm. is that you cannot fake time. Mm-hmm. And you need to let them sit Mm -hmm. and you need to go and read, you know, a hundred more books Mm -hmm. and write a lot more. Maybe Mm -hmm. I really think that reading is more important than writing for writers. Oh, yeah. I've read thousands of books in my life. Yeah. 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 It's I can tell by the end of page one Mm -hmm. whether someone is an avid reader Mm -hmm. and there's. It's very hard to teach someone who doesn't love reading in their genre how to write well in their genre. Yeah. Very, very hard. You kind of have to like it. Right. Yeah. So what I was, I just want to finish the thought. The few NaNoWriMo manuscripts that I've worked on that have been really good Mm -hmm. and that have gone on to be published and sold a lot, um, they were drafted during Nano. Like mm-hmm. seven years before they came to me for critique, and they'd been through a lot of critique and reworking since then. A lot so, of like, revisions. they bore yeah. very little resemblance to mm-hmm. their first drafts. Yeah. But they did have their initial burst of energy and inspiration during NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Like, and that's what a lot of people talk about is like, if you're going to do the pantsing, kind mm-hmm. of just writing without a plot, you're going to have to rewrite a lot more. Yes. So, you're still going to have to put all that work in. So, are you wanting to plot it out and have a little bit more structure or you don't, are you willing to cut entire chapters, entire sections? And that's what I see a lot of people have a problem with is being able to cut off chapters. Yeah. Like I told people, I generally cut my first chapter. Mm -hmm. Like it generally goes in the trash Yeah. because I'm kind of getting to know my characters. I generally write it first. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, wow, could you do that? Because they're writing a chapter 
and then they're revising it, revising it, revising it for yeah. months. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> you yeah. might have to throw it away. Yeah. And then they won't ever cut it. And a lot of times they're doing the kind of revision and rewriting they're doing is very micro. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for commas and thinking about word choice mm-hmm. when really what's going to make that book sink or swim is the story. Yeah. So the you overall to, plot of right. the entire structure. Yeah. You need yeah. to be able to pull back. I think that's see. hard for a lot of people it is. to understand is how to structure an entire novel. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, it really helped to be able to learn kind of those patterns like the story circle and the yeah. three plot structure and yeah. try to kind of push my st- story that direction. Yeah. And it's hard because people like, oh, I don't want to follow a, you know, like a cookie cutter pattern. But like a lot of people yeah. read On Writing by Stephen King uh-huh. and they're like, oh, all he does is just start writing. It's like, <laughs> you're not Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he studied a lot of plot structure and a lot of story. And he was an English teacher, you know. And he's so. an exception to the rule. He there is. are those. Yeah, there are. Yeah. But he kind of encourages people to do that. So it's like, yeah. It's hard. What is, there's a quote that's something like, easy reading is damned hard writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people don't, you can be inspired with a story or a character and then sit down and write it. But for that to translate to a good reading experience for someone else, you need to consider the reader at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough to know exactly when to switch over, when to kind of open that door. Mm-hmm. Um, because the process of writing is magical. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how people just write stories and novels They're all wizards. the time. It is wizardry. <laughs> it's magic. It it's is. so it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, so I don't like to get involved too early if someone's really on fire about something. Mm-hmm. We can figure out what that is later after mm-hmm. they've run out of steam and are ready to look for help. But um, not everyone wants to go into that next part Mm -hmm. for a lot of people the inspiration and the process of writing it and Mm -hmm. that passionate magic making that's the fun part yeah that's enough right um and then they don't want to do the hard part which is editing and revising which is totally fine as long as you don't really want to publish that book right that's that's the disconnect Mm -hmm. if you want to publish it you, you are saying, I am going to sell this book to someone else, in which case you are marketing a product and you need to make it marketable <laughs> and a polished product. But for a lot of situations, even with writers who are very skilled and really inspired, mm-hmm. not everything is going to be publishable. No. And all of it might be really important to write because mm-hmm. writing itself is this, you know, it's a spiritual, emotional, intense, very, very private experience. It doesn't always need other people involved in it. Hmm. So I try to respect that. Yeah. So do you think uh, doing a plot before and then writing your first draft, do you think that person will spend less time rewriting and drafting afterwards than if they just pantsed? 
they just did it without a plot. Do you think adding that outline really saves them a lot of more time in that later process, which is for me, it's harder to rewrite. Mm -hmm. It's harder to do the revisions after I've already written the entire story. Right. Um, I think it depends on the person mm -hmm. and the story. But I don't think plot is, you know, the start and finish of story. Mm -hmm. Because there's... For the <laughs> stories that really resonate with us and mean something to us, mm -hmm. there's a heart to them. And I think Dinty Moore calls it like the underground river or something like that in yeah. his book, The Story Cure. And, um which is what got me thinking about that. But when I read for when I'm critiquing novels mm -hmm. um, or doing kind of an initial assessment before going into developmental editing with people, I'm reading to find the heart of that story. Mm -hmm. And very often with writers, you know, that this is their first book or their first time working with an editor at least and really going deep with a manuscript um that the heart of that story isn't on the page mm -hmm. it's not actually in the book um but they know it and so when we get on the phone after i've read a book i'll ask what you know what is this book about to you mm -hmm. and what inspired it? And mm -hmm. what they tell me then is always so enlightening. Mm -hmm. And also it, it gives me insight into what's happening in that manuscript. And also it's not coming through in yeah. the manuscript. So then we talk about, okay, let's connect those dots. How did that, how did this come to be? What inspired you? All right. Let's talk about your protagonist and their struggle or journey or conflict or whatever is happening with them, you know, whichever genre it is, if it's, you know, commercial fiction or literary or whatever, um, you need to keep that, you know, central in your mind mm -hmm. as you're writing, if it's going to land there, and as you're rewriting, if it's going to get there. Yeah. Um, and it often requires major restructuring mm -hmm. and unfolding that whole book and story again to figure out how are you going to get that point across. A lot of times people sort of don't realize that they need a protagonist. They have a lot of characters and a lot of main characters. They don't have a protagonist? Sometimes not so much. Or like the that protagonist doesn't carry the weight of that story. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? So how do, how do they do that? Then? So if you're writing with several point of view characters, right? Um, this is especially where that happens. Mm -hmm. A lot of young writers, and by young I don't mean age-wise, like who are new to inexperienced writers... Yeah. Sorry. You're fine. Try to be very gentle, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, yeah. some new writers, yeah. Right. If you haven't had much really good, useful feedback, mm -hmm. um, you may have been writing for 30 years and you're still pretty green because mm -hmm. you're not sure how it comes across or how to 
how to fix it. Right. Right. And I think a lot of writers are they're tough at getting feedback and actually taking it in too. That's this is why you have to pay good money for it. You, you gotta know you want it. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you're paying for it, I think you'll value that feedback a lot more. Yeah. I but. have learned that if you give free feedback, mm -hmm. they will hate you yes. and trash you. Yes. And um, <laughs> you'll regret the whole experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Don't do that. So I, I'm I'm part of writers groups. Yeah. I've been a part of them my whole life. Like. Or since I've been writing that's different yeah. yeah if you're all trading together it's a different dynamic well then. no like it I found when I was younger actually when I was a greener writer when yeah. I was newer I did not take feedback very well like yeah. a lot of times I would just be like oh, how dare they it's painful <laughs> it is painful to have somebody look at your writing and say oh yeah you got problems here 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 and yeah. now that I'm older I've I've gotten a lot better at taking that feedback yeah. and I see it more as a gift yeah. it's like somebody's taking the time to give me feedback I'll take it in and actually consider it. Now, you have to also look at the source, mm -hmm. like look at what they're saying and see if other people agree with them. Right. So like if somebody says something, I won't just take it as truth. Yeah. I'll bounce it off other people to see what they think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to use beta readers. I have mm -hmm. a lot of beta readers who provide great feedback for, mm -hmm. well, some of it is great. Yeah. Some of it some is of not great. useful at all Yeah. for my clients, but... Yeah, you need to see what what notes are coming up across the board repeatedly yeah. and which ones are just clearly oddballs that mm -hmm. you can... <laughs> you can ignore we're that. We're not going yeah. to listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> will make you cry and it makes no sense. So that's right. You have a beta reader list. I do. Where people can pay you a little money to have your book blasted to people who are wanting to read. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing that for... Oh, maybe five years now. Yeah. And I just have a sign-up form on my website. People sign up every day wow. to read books for free and give feedback for free. Wow. It's pretty great. There are how, about, many, how many people are on it? I think there were 300 last month. And I don't... Hmm. I only keep track of it when I go in to submit a book to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's a lot more than last so time. So how many people normally respond? Uh, out of the... 300 or 200 or whatever usually about 10 to 12 people respond that's cool if someone is really proactive and posts the listing to like their facebook group or something as well mm -hmm. i've had as many as 40 requests for a book but you get the same amount of good responses yeah you get about <laughs> eight that's really good. solid <laughs> but you can get a lot of feedback from that yeah and it's hard to convince somebody that you know to read your novel to when it's in a really raw form. Yeah, and you don't right. necessarily want to because mm -hmm. they may really love mystery, mm -hmm. but you write fantasy. Exactly. They're not going to have the enthusiasm and the knowledge of your genre mm -hmm. to bring to that reading. Right. So that's like some of my friends write more literary stuff. Yeah. And I've read literary stuff, but it's not my genre. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm not big on sci-fi, mm -hmm. you know. Right. I I don't do spaceships. Um, like what's funny is like I have a friend who writes a lot of literary stuff, and like I'm like, oh, the character is just having you're just developing the character so much. Oh, it's like that's what literary does. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about character, you know. Yeah. But it's not for me. I don't need the attention span. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> like, get on with it. <laughs> I feel like literary fiction has a lot more than that, but there no, is does, definitely but... a focus on the language that you don't need to have in commercial fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which definitely I... has value. It's just oh, yeah. not my genre. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. But that's the thing about being able to submit it to a wide group of strangers mm-hmm. and then see who says, yes, I want that one mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And the great thing about strangers is they don't know you. Yeah. So like my mother will read every single one of my novels and she will tell me I'm the greatest writer in the world. That is her job. That is her job. She's being a good mom. Exactly. Family's job is to tell you that you're amazing. That's right. And that's it. It's other people that you get real feedback from. Yeah. 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 You don't want to put a relationship at stake Mm-mm. for what's essentially you know a pleasure project right because even if you are a professional writer i mean no one's got like a gun to any of our heads saying work on fiction right (laughs) like it's it's a luxury and it's a gift to be able to spend your time doing that it is yeah so like when i was younger actually like i had a friend who i let read some of my stuff and she was the only friend that actually gave me like critiques on it yeah and i was like i hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good uh, yeah oh. so i just realized okay i can't get feedback from friends and family like no. it just it's not where i can get it from it yeah. hurts too much and then you second guess everything it does you you second guess all of their intentions whether yeah. they're giving you positive or negative yeah yeah there's this poem by adrienne rich called <laughs> Um, prospective immigrants, please take note. And it's excellent. Okay. And it applies to so many situations. I think the first lines are something like, um, either you will walk through this door or you will not. Um, and then it goes from there. Okay. I won't, I'll butcher it if I try. But sure. it can apply to handing your book to a friend. Like, if you go through, things will look at you doubly. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the different kinds of editors. Mm, so what okay. are the what are the different kinds of editors? Because I didn't know there were multiple kinds. Yeah. And apparently there are. There are many different kinds. I think you can separate them into three main camps. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some, and I'm not going to call it editors because some of us do um, both. Mm-hmm. But so different types of editing rather than different types of editors. Mm-hmm. Um, one type of editing deals with language, okay. making it clear and concise and consistent and correct. That's what I'm good at. So Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is copy editing mm-hmm. and proofreading where mm-hmm. you're looking for errors, um, inconsistencies, ways to tighten the writing. Mm-hmm. Line editing falls under that. It's essentially a deep copy edit where mm-hmm. you're rewriting sentences and restructuring content mm-hmm. to make it flow better. Right. The music of the language. Right. Right. With all of those, your goal is to retain the voice of the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless they have a terrible voice. <laughs> if they have a terrible voice, you charge them more. Yep. <laughs> and... <laughs> Preferably by the hour because it's going to take a long time to make that voice both sound like them, but not be embarrassing. Right. Um, So I think that my job 
I this is a little bit okay. So <laughs> you're fine. Can I use a bad word? Not a sure. terrible word. Go for it. Okay. So I have a test for myself when I look in the mirror as I go out the door, mm-hmm. and it's do I look like an idiot, and do I look like an asshole? <laughs> and if I look like either one of those, then I have to change or not go out. Oh, I should just never go out then. <laughs> it's tough for us yeah. introverts yeah. who like to spend time with our books and our computers. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. Um, so I kind of adapt that for clients Mm -hmm. it is my job not to let you look like an idiot or an asshole right so blanket statement about (laughs) copy editing section (laughs) cool uh the next kind of editing is content editing and there are a lot of names for all of this but it's critique and story editing and is that like developmental editor developmental editing why are there so many names yeah um, so we can all adapt them to our own purposes, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm on Readsy, which is a platform of professional editors and other book people. Mm-hmm. And they have descriptions of different types of editing services that I just don't agree with at all. Mm-hmm. So I always define terms with clients. But what they call an editorial assessment I call a manuscript critique. Mm-hmm. And what they call developmental editing, I call... Content, I don't know. Anyway. Content editing. It's yeah. all... Yeah. It kind of runs together. But mm-hmm. for me, developmental editing is a collaboration mm-hmm. between author and editor to bring that book to the next level and address the things that were identified in the manuscript critique. So the focus of that is more like overall plot and structure? It depends on on the book, really. But that can be a part of it. It can be. It can be... When I do a manuscript critique, I write about three or four pages of um, an editorial letter of what's working, mostly, honestly, what's not working in this manuscript. Um, I give really light annotations in the manuscript, but it's for that critique it's mostly that letter mm-hmm. and a phone call and a set of assignments mm-hmm. so i give th- you're giving homework i do that's good i in the last couple of years have started giving a lot of homework because i think that's good because if somebody gets a bunch of feedback yeah. sometimes you don't know what to do with it yeah yeah and i'll be there for you when you do the homework and mm-hmm. when you get stuck mm-hmm. but if you've got too many point of view characters Mm -hmm. and we don't really know what this story is about so it's not having an emotional impact Mm -hmm. and it's not um you know or maybe the tension is low because x y and z maybe it's full of exposition and it's glossing over dramatic incidents that would be really really interesting Mm -hmm. to see on the page right but we just sort of hear about them in a conversation with your mom, you know, in chapter three. Right. So it's coaching people through how to fix what's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Maybe the tension is low. Maybe the, um, there are too many characters and it takes too much time and we're getting a lot of irrelevant information, whatever. So that developmental editing for me is Mm -hmm. a series of conversations and an exchange of new material And talking about how this is working and continuing to bring it 
to a much stronger place, mm-hmm. not incremental changes that you can make on a language level, but how can you bring this character to life and make us actually care about this thing that you just made up in your head and you're lying about? Right. You're like, such a liar. Right. <laughs> Fiction is all lying. I'm going to help you be a better liar mm-hmm. that people really care about. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the third kind of editor then would be acquisitions editors at publishing houses who are you submit your story to and they're like yes or no or yeah yes if you do x y and z right that's what i'm doing right now i'm submitting yeah yeah Yeah, it's fun exciting (laughs) what's your plan for submitting uh i so i've actually submitted to two so far yeah and i need to do a synopsis Okay. So I wrote my synopsis. It's supposed to be like one to two pages. Okay. It's six pages. Uh-huh. So now I've cut it down to two and a half. So I'm almost ready to nice. send it out to the next, you know, batch of like eight or so. Okay. A lot of a lot of them want a synopsis with the, mm-hmm. the query. So yeah. We'll see. Did you have an outline that you got to pull that synopsis from? No. <laughs> so so I actually did did outline part of this one in the way I was talking about like with Scrivener. Right. So yeah. I so think no that's actual, solid. Yeah. Unless you're doing developmental editing and deep revisions, mm-hmm. you don't need like a full scene list. Mm-hmm. But if you need a scene list, you're going to wish you had an outline. Yeah. But it's hard because it's like taking an entire novel and giving a summary in one to two pages. And mm-hmm. it's complicated. Mine has a lot of twists and turns and there's, there's body snatchers. So everybody, you don't know who's who at some point. It's like, that's where you need to know the yeah. heart of your story. Yeah. Like the what's, heart. Yeah. I don't know what the heart is. Okay. Do you know Chuck Wendig? I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. He has a blog called Terrible <laughs> Minds, mm-hmm. and it's super foul-mouthed, so if mm-hmm. that bothers you, no, I'm good. don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's excellent. He writes in several different genres. He's, um, he's written for Star Wars mm-hmm. franchise and... Uh, I've seen him at a few different conferences, and he's just funny and, yeah. Mm, Fancy. (laughs) Um, He wrote a blog post years ago called 25 Things Writers Need to Know About Theme, or Mm -hmm. something to that effect. And it's on his website. You can Google it. Mm -hmm. It broke the problem of theme wide open for me because Mm. I remember in high school and in college, you know, I'm studying English all the time. Theme never made any sense to me. So when you say the heart, you mean theme? Kind of. Kind of, of, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, mushy, organic. It's different for each book because you would say it differently and handle it differently in a hard sci-fi novel than you know a cozy mystery or like Mm -hmm. a hot romance or vampire werewolf Mm -hmm. yeah thing yeah Um, sure so i guess it's yeah it's about the same thing and depending on who i'm talking to i would use different language right um, but what one thing that he points out about theme is that it's not just a concept mm-hmm. like love or war or grief. It's a statement that you're making about that. Right. More like a point of view on something. Right. So, All right, so mine, I would say it's like, while there are terrible, terrible people out there, there are still people that care. Right. Yes. Excellent. Because I write about hell and all that stuff. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> so then in your synopsis, like mm-hmm. you write that down, you stick it, you know, above your desk, mm-hmm. and you make sure that everything in that synopsis is illustrating that theme mm-hmm. through your protagonist. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, then you can see, okay, all of these other things are not primary to it. They mm-hmm. help and they bring the story to life and they mm-hmm. make it worth sitting down to read a full-length novel for. Mm-hmm. But if you know that thematic statement, there are a lot of terrible people, but there are still some really good ones too, Mm -hmm. then you could probably massage that and refine it a little bit more. Add that to your query package and then make sure, okay, this guy, (laughs) Billy Bob Razorblade face... The main character's name is Cassandra. (laughs) Razor blade face, of course. You got the last name right. You nailed it. (laughs) You know, has to face these bad guys Mm -hmm. and becomes despondent Mm -hmm. or whatever her response is, enraged Mm or, you know. And here's what she does in response to all these bad people Mm -hmm. doing bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, But then just when she thinks she's totally alone in the world and everyone is terrible, Mm -hmm. she encounters a couple of decent people Mm -hmm. and they band together and defeat the forces of evil. And there's a pinprick of hope in the world. For mine, it's more like there are people in this world who go through a lot of terrible things. Okay. It's how they respond to those things. Some people end up using that to do good others use it as an excuse to do terrible things okay so it's also about like personal strength Mm -hmm. and the fortitude of the human spirit exactly okay yeah nailed it now i know the heart yeah (laughs) now you can just whittle off everything that's not directly related to that and you'll have about a page and a half we'll see yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's hard because like i want to i want to kind of tell exactly what happens the whole way through but it's like yeah, don't yeah. do that. I know. That's what they buy the book for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of books, you actually are working on two books. I do have a couple of works in progress What's right this now. This one right here. This is it. Yeah. I brought my advanced uncorrected proof. Uncorrected. This is um, currently <clears throat> titled, it has a long title and subtitle. Nice. <laughs> And it looks like a sub subtitle. A sub 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 subtitle. I may need to reconsider this, but like I said, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So it's currently called My Two Cents Editing's Indie Publishing Workbook How to Self Publish Like a Pro A Path Through the Industry's Best Practices for Indie Publishers. Yeah, there's a sub subtitle there. Yeah. I would just cut the sub subtitle off. I really like it though. I know. It's hard to kill your darlings. It really is. It is, especially when you have three subtitles. I know. <laughs> it's tough. I'm not, I really don't know what to do with this yet. Yeah. Right now, I have it um, bound with a lovely coil binding. It's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. It's ridiculous how expensive it is to have stuff printed up At like Kinko's. this. At Kinko's? Yeah. Um, I went to a small print shop because. I like to do that. Mm-hmm. I like to see if I can find a, local... a favorite print shop yeah. and then I give them all my business. I haven't found one in St. Louis yet. Mm. Um, so what is this about? This is... From the sub-subtitles, it sounds like it's about <laughs> indie publishing. Right. Um, I have helped a lot of clients <clears throat> take their books from first draft to launch and beyond. Yeah. Um, I have also learned that I don't enjoy all the parts of that process. 
but Mm -hmm. I know how to do it. And I go to a lot of conferences Mm -hmm. and that's where I met you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. About a year and a half ago. Gateway con. That was fun. That was a good conference. They're not doing it anymore. Well, that's a mistake. I know. They it was did it. too expensive, wasn't it? I, I, I think it had something to do with like attendance and money. Like there wasn't as many people this last year, this yeah. year. I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. Mm-hmm. They're just, but they decided they're still going to try to do like the stuff they did there. But then the like break it up, workshops. break it up into smaller workshops over the yeah. year. So it's cheaper. But you still get all the content. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really great conference. It was amazing. But I it was it. so well put on that I wondered how they were paying for it. Yeah. It looked expensive. Yeah. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they know how to get everyone together and market those workshops. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. they'll be fine. But yeah, That's they're not cool doing group. it anymore. That's too all sad. Right. Well, I just not it. right now they're not doing it. Right. Yeah. Taking a pause. Right. <laughs> So, as I counsel clients through the indie publishing process, um, part of which is helping them figure out whether they want to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And they, a lot of times, jump in and they don't really know what all is involved in the process, how long it takes, (laughs) how much it costs, what all the How much does it cost? (laughs) I mean, you can do it for free. Yeah. You just... Copy, paste to Kindle, direct, and done. Right. You don't pay an editor. Don't pay anybody to do your cover. Just use crayons and do it. Yeah. Do it all yourself. Right. So zero dollars. You can do that. You can totally do that. You can do that that. today. I can. I'm not going to. No, don't. It's not advisable. (laughs) Um, If you want to get good reviews Mm -hmm. and you want to reach people beyond the people that you already know, Mm -hmm. then... You need to take certain steps to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of them. See, that sounds like work. It is a lot of work. (laughs) And it's a lot of decisions to make. And Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to go traditionally published. Because it sounds like a lot of deciding. And I don't like that. Yeah. Let somebody else decide. Yep. You've got to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. What sounds good. And with my two different projects, I'll probably self-publish this workbook. Mm Mm-hmm. And seek, um, I will probably write a proposal and start submitting that for the other one, which is, uh, it's also nonfiction. And it is currently titled, admittedly, A Handbook for Parenting During Visiting Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about how to navigate the mental health system for your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is complicated nobody tells you what to do no, as is. a parent in general much less if you have to deal yeah. with that yeah it is very hard to get the right information mm-hmm. and the time that some families have to spend getting it mm-hmm. is time that their kids are getting sicker and sicker yeah so that's going to be my NaNoWriMo project yay is uh outlining my nonfiction book and then putting together a proposal Awesome. But yeah, there are pluses and minuses to both indie publishing and traditional publishing. And if I don't get responses in, I'll probably give it about six months Mm -hmm. of submissions for that one. Yeah. Then I'll probably indie publish that one too, because I am impatient and I want to move on to the next thing. I don't want to work. So I understand the urge to just get things done and get them published. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also 
would like to help people make a choice about whether they do it well or not. So this book puts together all of the (laughs) advice that I've been leading clients through for the last X number of years. Mm -hmm. I don't, don't, maybe six. Yeah. I've been learning it for the last 10, but who knows when I started telling people what to do about it. (laughs) Tend to tell people what to do, Joshua. It helps. (laughs) Well, yeah, you were telling me to outline. I know. It's like, we need an outline for this conversation (laughs) or it will go entirely (laughs) off the rails. Yeah, it's gone terribly. Let me tell you. I know. I really feel like we're lost here in the weeds. No, No. not at all. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So this is a series of informational pages on Mm -hmm. what the different types of editing are so Um, you even cover what we talked about right um timelines and rates and your deadline and your budget there Mm -hmm. are tables on each page in each section for taking notes and putting together your own plan oh cool so that you know yeah yeah so you know what you're skipping and you know what you might end up paying and Mm -hmm. um it's a lot of really good advice in here. I've yeah. given it to a few clients to use um, and to ask for feedback. I've requested their feedback yeah. um, and have gotten some really good notes for it. Well, so. it, sounds, it sounds useful if I decide Thanks. to go indie. Yeah. I'd probably have to buy it. Yeah. I'd probably let you yeah. have a copy for free. Deal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's the price point I like. Yay! <laughs> right now, you got to catch me right now if you want to yep. sneak preview of sneak this preview. thing. Yeah. You have to promise me feedback. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to go traditional. Like yeah. I really want somebody else to do with all that stuff. Like. Yes. It's good to have that. It is we'll nice see. to do it. And that I way. would like a great big advance and lots of money. You know. That'd be Wouldn't awesome. that be lovely? That'd be lovely. Some people get that. I've heard that still happens. Like everybody was telling me, like, no, new authors don't get big advances anymore like wait they do like i was reading apparently these big houses still throw big piles of money at people if you have an interesting concept and you're a good writer if it's exceptional i am pretty exceptional okay (laughs) and the thing that is interesting to me Uh is to well that sounds kind of cruel um I what work with cruel? a lot, <laughs> but it's interesting to me to work with people who have Weird. not had success mm-hmm. submitting to agents mm-hmm. and just are really frustrated with that process and wondering why they're not getting a yes, mm-hmm. why it's radio silence. So it's interesting to me, even though that sounds sort of cruel and like, mm-hmm. um, to sit down with those pages and see what the agents are seeing mm-hmm. and see where the disconnect is mm-hmm. between um, the agent's expectations mm-hmm. and the author's concept of their work. Mm-hmm. And there's a distance between those two. Oh, yeah. So usually every now and then I, I get meet, one. I don't, and meet, I don't meet many authors who don't think they're exceptional. Like writers generally, if they put it on a page and they can actually pump it out they generally look at their own writing as high quality like i don't meet many people who can look at their own writing and say oh it's terrible like oh it's really it needs a lot of work i think the more you write the more you are able to look at your own writing yeah and see those flaws yeah and i think that's when you can become that next level there's a little bit of delusion built into writing i think editors are sort of 
in the realm of therapists a little bit. <laughs> so I may get a different story than you get, yeah. you know, where they come to me and, and some people will say, look, I really don't know if this is any good. Mm-hmm. Can you just give me a yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm probably not going to be that harsh. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what's working and what's not working. See, I got to be careful. If somebody tells me, ask that question, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> right. I've considered adding like a checkbox to the critique letter right. that's like, okay, check this box if you want me to tell you if this would get an automatic no from an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think is a reasonable question. Like, is that. it, I think a better way to phrase it is, is this in its current state publishable? Right. I think that's a reasonable thing because that means it can change. Yeah. It can get better, but it means in its current state, is it publishable? Right. Which a lot of manuscripts aren't. Yeah. Yeah. How is this draft working? Mm-hmm. But you can always have a second, third, and fourth draft. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now that's called The Eleventh Draft. <laughs> I don't know me. if I've ever gotten to 11. <laughs> yeah. I have some clients who have and... It pays off. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a lot of drafts. I've met people who work on a novel for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's so long. Like, that's too much. It depends on the story. I'm trying to write a novel a year. Like, I've written two in the last two years. Okay. And, yeah. It's so individual. It is. It just depends on you and your writing. and. But it seems like you put so much, so many years into And it probably also changes how much time you have to work on it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it helps to be unemployed. <laughs> I would imagine. Or yeah. retired. Or retired. That's nice. That's when a lot of people decide to write a novel. That's when they retire. And they're really at an advantage mm-hmm. because they have been reading Mm-hmm. And thinking about this and writing. And they have their life experiences too. And they have in. money saved up mm-hmm. to pay on editing, pay for editing and yeah. invest in that process. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily feel the need to rush into something. Right. They want to learn how to write really well at mm-hmm. that point. Like that's, that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. If you can retire. <laughs> that's with, the goal. Yeah. With lots of money so you can just right right yeah sounds good i don't think that's gonna be my situation no yeah no you're not gonna retire with a big pile of money that's i don't know <laughs> you never know who knows maybe this this manual will pick up yeah this so well three titled book yeah hey we shall throw see. a fourth title in there maybe it'll help the more the better right like what do you have so far yeah one two three yeah like what is it? Read it, read oh, it to me again. My Two Cents Editing's Indie Publishing Workbook, How to Self-Publish Like a Pro, A Path Through the Industry's Best Practices for Indie Publishers. <laughs> that is a mouthful. Right. I mean, I there's one implied colon in there and yeah. one... There's one unimplied colon. Yeah. Let's add another unimplied colon. <laughs> <laughs> like, say what it isn't. <laughs> for those who don't want to go to the traditional route. Something right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't want to get lost... deal (laughs) let's just add five titles it'll work the more titles the merrier there we go well that's about our time for today okay well thank you very much this was fun this was awesome it was good to have you so why don't you give your little pitch like how can people contact you what's your website sure my website is very long like my titles good to know uh it is my two cents editing.com cool 
you can also just Google me, Megan Pinson. And um, if you are trying to figure out where your work stands and <clears throat> where you might best go with it next, I can help you with that. Wasn't that perfect time for a siren? That was, yeah. <laughs> alarm, alarm. Alarm, Megan's leaving. Call Megan. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. this has been the Hellheim Podcast, and I'm Joshua Skirtu. Uh, you can always check me out on my personal website at joshuaskirtu.com. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, have a good day. You too.